Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to Text Talk. I'm Jackson. Good morning, Edwin. How are you doing? Doing great, buddy. All right. What is our reading for this week? We are in Acts chapter 22 this week. I'm so glad that you're here filling in for Andrew throughout this entire week. I'm glad that you've been helping us out. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through verse 5. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Thank you for that reading, Edwin. By way of review, before we get started here, let's back up, actually, to Acts chapter 21, where we left off last week. You really are feeling in for Andrew today. I am. I am. <laughs> Go ahead. What, what, do you want, what do you want to bring up? So at the end of Acts chapter 21, you will find that Paul, when he's arrested, they ask him, do you know Greek? And then they ask him the question in verse 38, Acts chapter 21, verse 38. Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out of the wilderness? And Paul replies, no, I'm a Jew uh, from Tarsus. Um a citizen of no obscure city. And so what we have going on here is in Acts chapter 22, Paul is able to address the people in the Hebrew language. But originally, when they ask him if he speaks Greek at the end of Acts chapter 21, this Roman, um, what do you call him, a tribune? Is that the right mm-hmm. word? Yeah. Yeah, a tribune believes that Paul is just one of these aggressors. I think we talked about the assassins. They were called dagger men. And so they think that he's actually one of those who's come back and is stirring up trouble in the city. And so he attests to them and says, no, 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 not at all. I'm a Jew And then he wants to be able to speak to the people. And so we open up here in Acts chapter 22, and he begins to speak to the people in the Hebrew language, as we're told at the beginning here, and they grow quiet and they listen. Right. So last week we ended chapter 21. We didn't really cover in in the podcast what was going on with this accusation. But as Paul is being carried off by the Roman soldiers in order to be interrogated, because the Tribune wants to get to the bottom of all, all this, and You know, interestingly, rather than trying to deal with any of the people who are trying to harm Paul, he sees Paul at the middle of it and says, ah, that's the guy. He must be causing a problem. And here's why that's happening, at least. uh, So so what I'm about to share with you comes from commentary that Gareth Reese wrote on Acts. And at this time or during previous to this, there had been a fellow who was known as the Egyptian who had carried out an insurrection, who had brought... Uh, a group of people that he had gathered together, he had convinced them, I understand, that they were going to march around the walls of Jerusalem and it was going to collapse just like Jericho had. They marched around. It did not collapse. The Romans in the Jerusalem garrison came out and defeated them and the Egyptian and others fled back into the wilderness and into the mountains. And so when he says, are you not the Egyptian then? He thinks, oh, you know, these, these Jews have 
banded together against him because they recognize him and they don't like him and that's who they think he is. And so then he mentions the assassins, which, as you said, the dagger men, the Sakari. And these are folks who would often come in, foment rebellion. And the way they would do it is they, they would just stir up trouble. They would come into town. They would mix and mingle among the people, especially during feast days like this. They'd reach out and they'd stab someone, hide the dagger, and then just join the crowd and start yelling about, oh, no, look at what's happened. And, they, and then they would slip away. Wow. And so th- this is what the Tribune believes has happened. Then he doesn't know. He, he doesn't see anybody dead. He doesn't see anybody harmed. But he thinks that the Jews have now turned on a man that they have discovered as one of these assassins or as a follower of the Egyptian. And so when Paul speaks to him in Greek, he thinks, huh, well, this is, this is not the assassin this is or an assassin this is not the egyptian this is somebody else now last week what we talked about was how amazing it is that in this moment he lets him speak uh, just giving him permission to speak in this moment is amazing but because of that and so now he's about to make his defense but interestingly as he turns to the crowd he does not speak to the crowd in greek hebrew he speaks to the crowd in hebrew and of course when the crowd hears him speak in hebrew they get very very quiet Indeed, they do. They're going to listen. And so th- there's something about him speaking in Hebrew, that this is one of ours, that he's, he's a Jew. A lot of people probably don't even really know what's going on. There's the folks who have started all this because, well, Paul brought a Gentile into the temple. But uh, now he's speaking in Hebrew, so now they're going to be listening to him, and they get quiet. I A little side note here. It just never ceases to blow my mind that... The Romans are often pretty oblivious, and they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and it just seems like with these, you know, Jew and Christian struggles and these tensions that go on between them in the first century, they often are just pretty far out of left field, you know, and that never ceases to amaze me. Well, one of the things that we see here where he misses it, the Tribune misses it, Paul himself says, no, I'm a Jew of Tarsus and Cilicia. And then he says, a citizen of no mean city. And even after having said that, and then the Tribune giving him permission to speak, he's later going to take him to try to interrogate him through torture. Flogging, yeah. Which is not allowed for a Roman citizen. And so, you know, you've got this Roman Tribune who has no idea what's going on and just trying to do the best he can in the middle of this crazy situation. Again, it is completely shocking that in the midst of all this, he lets Paul speak. I think we're just going to see that as the providence of God. But he missed this key where Paul did say, I am a citizen. So later, when Paul comes back and says, well, wait a minute, wait, uh, are you going to do this to a Roman citizen who is uncondemned? Oh, wait, you're a Roman citizen? Oh, I didn't Oh, I didn't realize that. Right. I mean, I just said it at the beginning when you let me preach this sermon to these people. But he completely missed it. So anyway, so he starts the sermon. Let's talk about that for a moment, because there's something at the very beginning of the sermon that really attracts my attention, and I think it helps us understand Paul. Because to me, one of the most shocking things, and I don't know if you'd agree with this or not, Jackson, or if there's something else that you would see as more amazing, but what's most shocking to me about Saul, who becomes Paul, was the turn, the shift. I mean, it seems like it's that quick. And, you know, for those of you who just heard that noise but had no idea, that's my finger snapping. It was that quick. <laughs> and he sees Jesus on the road to Damascus, and, and now he's an ambassador for the kingdom. He goes from being the persecutor to the ambassador. And I think right here, though, we see the key as to why. 
You ready for this? I'm ready. I think it's that phrase, I was zealous for God, even as you are today. So, by the way, notice he's trying to make connection with his audience. Mm -hmm. He's saying, look, I was just like you. The reason why I want to talk to you is because I was just like you. I look at you guys and what I see is zeal for God. And that's where I was. But the key to note is where was his zeal directed? Towards God. Yeah. Let's think of all the things that it wasn't directed toward. The law. Okay. So even though he was, he had zeal for the law, what's his number one zeal? It's God. Okay. Um, Popularity. No, not zealous for popularity, even though he was increasing in popularity. Um, Zeal for I'm right. No, his zeal is not for I'm right. His zeal is for God. Zeal for making money. Nope. Fame. Nope. Nope. What's his zeal for? God. God. And I'm I'm thinking about Romans, uh, where is it? Is in chapter 10 or chapter 12 where it talks about uh, the, the Jews having a zeal, his brethren having a zeal for God, but not according mm-hmm. to knowledge. I believe that's at the beginning of chapter 10. And that's where Paul was. Paul had a zeal for God, but it wasn't according to knowledge. But once that knowledge was given to him on the road to Damascus, his zeal didn't change. His knowledge changed. And because his knowledge changed, his zeal, his zeal got directed in the proper way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. In the right direction. In the right direction. So, so what's the key? The key is he was always zealous for God. He always had an intense fervor for God and an earnest desire and longing for God. And because what he wanted most was God, when he knew where God was, it really wasn't no a big shift. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. So... Zeal. Let's talk about zeal. Tell me, what do you know about zeal, Jackson? I think uh, the word, when I think of zeal, is energy, you know, enthusiasm, all about it. And I think that you can see that in Paul's life. You know, everywhere he goes, he gets thrown in all these circumstances and all these crazy situations and chaos and is tortured and is shipwrecked. But never does he stop. He never stops. That energy is always flowing through him, even when he's in prison. He's singing. He's glorifying God. And you can see that energy and that passion that he has for the Lord above all else. Not popularity, not fame, not even the law. It's for God. And so the gospel is what changed him. That knowledge is what changed him. And that speaks volumes to me today, I think. And that's it's something that you have to reflect on, I guess you could say. Is is my energy there? Is my passion there each and every day to pursue God to the fullest extent like Paul did? I fear I would struggle if I were cast in prison. Absolutely. I fear I would struggle if I were tied up to a rack and beaten and flogged. I fear I would struggle. I'd say I fear. I know I would. It's not just, oh, I don't know. How would I react? I'm pretty sure I would not react the way Paul did. I've got a lot of growing to do on this. I look at why is it that Paul and Silas can be in prison, can have been beaten wrongfully, and yet still be praising and glorifying God rather than whining and moaning and complaining about a lack of freedom or a lack of their rights. You know, my rights have been have been violated. Because the number one thing they were focused on was their relationship with God. And even in the midst of beating, even in the midst of imprisonment, even in the midst of persecution, what did they still have? God. God's still with us. God's still there. And so I may be shipwrecked. I may be 
lost in the wilderness. I may be in dangers of my, from my countrymen, from the Gentiles, from the bre- even from false brethren. But what do I have? Still, I have God. And what's my zeal for? Paul. <laughs> What's my zeal for? Paul. <laughs> my, my zeal's for Paul. <laughs> Paul says his zeal is for God. God. And so because his zeal is for God, it's, hey, you, you haven't taken God away from me. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, so I'm okay. I can handle this. I, I can live with this. I've, I've still got God. Uh, you know, one thing I did want to bring up, zealousy is not the same as jealousy. What's what's jealousy? I think of envy. So we got two E words here. When I think of zealousy or being zealous, I think of energy or enthusiasm. And when I think of jealousy, I think of envy, you know, this envious feeling. Oh, that's cool. I like the way you connect those things and, and give us a picture there. So we, we've got the idea of energy versus envy. Energy of I, I'm, I'm longing, I'm loving God, I'm pursuing something versus envy. I want to take something. I want to grab something. And so very good. Yeah. So we're not talking about jealousy. We are talking about zeal, energy, and it was for God. And here's, here's the final thing I get from this. When, when my zeal is for God, I may be wrong today. I may be wrong today, but when my zeal is for God, what am I going to be doing? I'm going to be looking for God. And God has let us know throughout his word again and again and again, that he will be found by those who seek him. So when my zeal is for God, not for me and my popularity and my fame and money and proving I'm right and all that, but when my zeal is for God, I'm going to find him. And that's exactly what we see in Paul here. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us, uh, text talk at christiansmeethere.org. I say that almost every day and then almost always get to that point and forget what it is. <laughs> text talk at christiansmeethere.org. We'd love to hear what you're learning from the text. Jackson, why don't you wrap us up in prayer today? Our good God and Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your word and all that it is for us. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we're thankful for Paul's example here and his uh, testament to coming to know the revelation of, of your word and of the gospel of the way, Father. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, we pray that we would have a zeal like Paul for you above all else, not for popularity, not for fame, not for glory, but for you, Lord. We pray that we would uh, grow in all that we do and that we would seek you and that you would be found, Lord. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.